Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Daniel. And as was expected, we're doing the second episode of Touch of Iron today by Tamandra Whitecastle. This time, this time we're going to have a warm up. And it's not, it's, this is actually just a, a news item I want to discuss with you, Dan. Okay. Or it's something that I'm excited about. Okay. And this is video game related. Good. We love that. And it's also, I think, going to get you riled up, which is perfect. Okay. I'm interested. So one of my favorite games of all time is Dark Souls, or series of games. Okay. Yes. And this, the the company that makes Dark Souls recently had an announcement for their new video game that, it, well, it's not coming out, or it's coming out. I don't know, a year from now, whenever. Yeah. There's not a release date or anything. Just It was just an announcement video. Uh-huh. And this, this game is... They've announced that it's going to be somewhat similar to Dark Souls. Uh-huh. But get this, Dan. Someone that has helped them write the story for this game? George R.R. R. Martin. No! <laughs> no! No! George! George! I'm coming back, Luke. Alright, Dan. Dan's back. Unless this game is a crazy new take on books and this next game is Winds of Winter, I'm driving... No, I don't I'm not gonna actually drive anywhere. This is this is all hyperbole. But I wanna drive to George's house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let me give you let me give you a little bit of a little bit more information on this. Yeah. He's not he's not writing the game itself. And it's unclear <laughs> how much he's no, doing. No, Luke. No. From what I know about what George about George at this point. He's learning he's learning Fortran programming language right now <laughs> because he needs to dip his hands into game development. <laughs> and they've they've fired their entire software development team and it's just George at a at his old old computer that he writes all of his books at and he is coding up this video game for you. That sounds great. No. It's not great. <laughs> no, okay, okay. This is what it is. The the actual story of the game is being written by the director and the company that makes the game. Okay. George is, I think, doing consulting work on the lore of the world. Is it Westeros? Because <laughs> if it's not Westeros, what are, what are we doing here? I don't think it's Westeros. <laughs> but... So, okay, so it's unclear how much work he's actually doing for them. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited for it. Okay. You're the, you're the problem. You, you, Luke, are the problem. <laughs> Here we've got this, we've got this fan base that's so determined on getting these books out. People like me and my brethren and Sistren. I think Good that's Sistren. We're dedicated to making this man's life a living hell until he gives us what we want, regardless of what he wants. Okay? <laughs> we're committed to this, Luke. True fanhood. That's what we're here for. My, so, I think I would be on your side for almost every other project. I don't want him writing other books like he's been doing. I don't want him involved with the TV shows, even though like the spinoffs or anything like that, but I'm I'm so on board with him helping out with a new Dark Souls game. That's well, here's why I'm pissed. You're not gonna you were there is no way you're gonna be able to tell that George worked on this. The only reason, the only reason they said he was helping was to make you excited about it. Yeah, and it worked really well. Ah. Uh... <laughs> you know what actually 
Actually, I think I'm coming around on the other side of this. I think I've seen oh. the light. Because George doesn't really have to even do anything, if I'm thinking about it. They Sure, right. they can say George is a consulting person for the lore of the world. Maybe he says like a couple things to him and they go off on it. But that's all he has to do. You're not going to be able to know. There's no way you'd be able to tell if George did anything for this game. Right. He could have been on like two phone calls. Yeah. Them. They could have read a Game of Thrones and been like, this is kind of a cool book. <laughs> we should make a game kind of like this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, actually, I'm fine with it. I, I don't know where I want the I don't know where I want the line to be. As in, I don't think I don't think I want George doing what you're saying and basically not actually being involved. But I also don't want him doing full time game development. <laughs> I want him somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I mean, here's what I here's what we all want. And I think if we were just honest with ourselves, we would we would just make a new law that says George. Sorry, you gave up your life when you wrote that first book. We own you now as fans. You're our property. Uh, we get to speculate about your health as much as we want. And we get to be pissed about how you spend your time for the sake of these silly, silly books about dragons and wolves and shit. Right. And we get yeah. to be we get to be pissed about that and you know, kind of not stop talking about it for probably forever. Um, right. We don't. We don't really have to treat George like a human if we're waiting on a sixth book. Right. You know? be because that's more important than right. George as a human being and a person. Um. So yeah, I know. I think that's. I think that's a good a good balance, Luke. I think if if I were determining George's time, I would say he calls in one day to these video game developers and says uh, I think there should be dragons in it and then <laughs> hangs up the phone and they run with that uh, yeah I'm okay with that I <laughs> so okay just for it's it's this is a this is a free ad for from software El Elden Ring coming out at some point in the future I'm gonna be playing it I don't. So, if you want to sponsor the, an episode of the show, we could talk about your game. Hit me up with a free version of the game. Oh, cool. we would love an advanced reader's copy. <laughs> a really buggy version of the game. I'd love it. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Luke, let's, right. let's talk about Touch of Iron. Yeah. So, we have read, we have finished book two. It's it's a little under two thirds of the book, but great stopping point. So we had to. So yeah. So finished book two. Everything up to there is fair game. What do you got for us, Dan? Right off the bat, Master Kumi, I think is how I've been pronouncing it. Sure, sure. She is a blood witch, which okay, kind of a rude name for someone. <laughs> Nora has this interaction where she is super frightened of master kumi mm -hmm. because she's a blood witch and master kumi talks nora down by saying that magic is just like farming or any other profession that she doesn't know how to do it's just you know the farmer does magic because i don't know how farming works so my magic is just like that come on master kumi <laughs> what are you doing I mean, I I took this to mean that anyone can do magic. Like I, it's not an inherent trait that you have to have to be able to do magic, right? Well, I don't know. Some people have like green thumbs though, right? Some people are, okay, some people are naturally better at certain things than others. Right, definitely true. So sure, maybe everyone has the capacity to do magic, but that doesn't mean everybody can actually do magic you know what i mean mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i thought it was more like she was trying to explain the supernatural as a natural thing that we just didn't that people other people just didn't understand how it worked okay so i felt like she was trying to calm nora down 
Like, this isn't a big deal. It's just like farming. People do farming all the time. You don't freak out. Now, let me get in you with my fingers. <laughs> yeah, see, if I had been Nora, I feel like I would have wanted more information. You know, how do you train to get this? Give me more details on how it works before I'm willing to just be like, oh, okay. It's just you read out of the textbook and then you know how to do it. Right. Especially after she sees how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. If anybody can do it, sign me up. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll take- why hasn't why doesn't Diaz do this? Cause he's got it he's like eighty seven years old. He's got he's got fighting down. Just take just take a couple semesters of blood witch class, Diaz. It's like one thousandth of your lifetime to learn how to do magic, uh, I assume. <laughs> well, and then think how useful he would be to his mission, his like pilgrim mission to help people. Mm-hmm. If you can do this magic healing thing, which seems so useful. Right. You do that. Now, I mean, maybe, yeah. So it's probably not as as simple I'm a, so I I'm guessing she's lying, especially considering <laughs> the end of the section when she turns on them and turns out to be evil. Which I actually really appreciated that. How it, at first it seemed like it was going to be this tale of somebody who's ostracized for their abilities, but that it turns out they're good and it's not a you know they're not actually evil just because they can right. do magic. But I love how it flipped it at the end. It was like, no, they're evil for sure. <laughs> She's a blood witch. <laughs> right. I'm curious whether or not you, it's actually inherently evil. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I'm used to books, like you said, where this kind of thing has a terrible reputation and everyone in the book thinks that it's evil. And really, it's just misunderstood. Right. Well, and in the book, there's examples of twins and whites that are that exact thing. Right, exactly. So that's what that's what we thought it was going to be. Now I'm curious to see whether you actually have to do terrible things to be a blood witch. Yeah, so I actually, I, I think that that death pit they found was how she got power to do those things. Okay, yeah, this is what I was gravitating towards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because... I, I was also trying to decide where she found all these people to do this. Like, it seemed like, you know, the, and what I'm talking about is the big raid that happened against the temple. Where did she get all these armed people to come storm it and try and take it? Because it seems like most of the people running around are just bandits who are pretty disorganized. Right. But somehow she has found an army to try and take the temple control of the temple which she's already the ruler of i didn't quite follow her plan right oh man i didn't either at first but luke we've got a theory oh boy this is early for a theory too normally i try and save these for later in the uh later in the episode i we're gonna start out with a theory that's uh, that's what i like to hear so at first I couldn't really understand. I had a hard time understanding what Master Kumi's plan was and what the goal was that she was trying to accomplish. And then I started thinking more about why she, it seemed like she was trying to stop Diaz and Prince Bashan. And she was trying to kind of like stop Diaz from doing Mm -hmm. something. And especially the fact that at the very end, she curses Diaz, which we don't know if it's like an actual binding curse or just a threat, something she says with her dying breath to kind of curse him. But she curses him to be a slave, always a slave to someone. And he had to choose. And when I first heard that, it sounded to me like kind of just an evil, ominous thing to say to someone as like a like haha sure you can kill me but you're going to be followed by this forever like i'll get my revenge in this way but i don't think this was a revenge move from master kumi mm-hmm. and i don't think master kumi 
is evil. Okay. Here's why. Diaz is looking for the living blade. Why is Diaz looking for the living blade? Okay, this is this is a little... I have been wondering that a little bit because he seems very adamant on continuing this quest. Mm-hmm. He also seems like we've already considered him as a pretty noble fellow. This guy mm-hmm. seems to have other people's interests in mind, at least interests, the interests of innocent people in mind. And so it seemed very strange that he's teamed up with Prince Bashan, who doesn't seem to care about other people at all and he's yet to say he's looking for the living blade just for prince bashan so diaz seems to be looking i'm gonna say diaz is looking for the living blade him for himself okay so in these chapters in book two we learn a lot more about the living blade at least what owen tells us about the living blade Luke, what were some of just a couple of things we learned about the Living Blade this chapter, or this, so this we've got, section? We've got, we've got how it was made, mm-hmm. or at least the myth on, or the story of how it was made. Let's start there. Okay. How, Basically. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I, from what I remember, it was the the god of Smith the. The Smith God, whatever whatever his name was, made it for I forget this person's name, but Sky- he made Skylac? it from or Skylar or something. Yeah, something like that. Some I think I think she's a white. I don't think she's a god. Or is that well, okay. He makes it from the blood of a the first half white child, essentially, right? And then Owen tells us that the more powerful or the living blade becomes more powerful when there's a strong connection between whoever is sacrificed to get the living blade and the person that's wielding the living blade. Yes. This is the point that's important. We also throughout this book have seen Diaz latch on to Nora before Diaz had Nora. Who was Diaz close to? I I guess Bashan. They didn't seem like good friends though, right? Right. Diaz and Nora are becoming very close. The more powerful the thing you or the more strong the bond you have with another person is the more powerful the blade is. Right? <laughs> right. Okay, okay. So for some reason, and we still don't really have a clear understanding as to why Diaz is being so buddy buddy with Nora, he's safeguarding her well being over the well being of others, but we haven't gotten to why he wants the blade. Okay, so let's say let's say he is grooming Nora to be the sacrifice to get and use the blade, and he's using Prince Bashan to find the blade. But what does he want to use the blade for? That's the important question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what do we know? What did we learn about the blade's capabilities in this section? So, we know it was used to kill the gods. Mm-hmm. It was used to kill the gods, but it also seems to have some power to almost reshape reality in a pretty substantial way. Yes. And Diaz is a part of an oppressed minority group in this world. And what group is that, Luke? The you, like the half whites you the mean? The whites. Yeah. Yeah. I is it are they oppressed? Okay. I mean obviously everyone everyone is scared about them and doesn't like them. Mhm. But I wasn't sure if they were legitimately oppre- oppressed okay, or okay. if they were just So they might not be oppressed, you're right. But they definitely don't seem welcome most places. Mm-hmm. And there are myths about them stealing and eating children. Mm -hmm. So they probably aren't really let into most inns in town. Right? Right. And the whites are... There's not a lot of whites around. So Diaz 
in looking after these innocent people is going to use the blade to put the whites on top. Okay. <laughs> Diaz, and, and here's why. Here's why Diaz is going to put the whites on top. Diaz has spent 87 years seeing the brutality of humans and recognizes that whites with their long lifespans are able to develop much more wisdom and they would be much more benevolent rulers in this world than the people are. I can't I can't wait till in 20 years when you're running for public office and someone t- and someone cuts this line out of context where you say the whites are <laughs> able to <laughs> but whites meaning this other other i guess almost elf like yeah i see them as akin people. to elves elves yeah. mhm <laughs> i didn't even realize that but okay so diaz is looking at the greater good here and this greater good diaz sees is putting the whites on top so that they can better manage the society because he sees the society is completely torn apart mm-hmm. right now and he's looking at how can he help people the most effectively that's what the living blade okay okay i if he's if he's grooming nora to be some sacrifice mm-hmm. he's doing he's very he's very subtle about it Okay, what do you mean? Because he's he could do this, I think, in a more obvious way that would be more more immediately successful. But you see times when they've had a small little potential romantic encounter that he kind of pulls back from. Mm-hmm. But I could see this being a more more like, you know, Wait more, develop it more, and it becomes a stronger connection. That's exactly right, Luke. You can't you can't burn this fire out before you get to the blade. <laughs> it's got to be a slow burn. See, Luke, Fair you're point. getting it. You're getting it, Luke. Mm-hmm. He also mm-hmm. couldn't come on too strongly to Nora at first. I think this is why he wasn't like constantly present with Nora. And when I say come on too strongly, I just mean like acting as her protector because I think she would have sensed something was off because it was a little weird how latched on her he is. Right. Without, Especially for someone that hasn't really been that way with people for 50 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. My, when where I, I'm going to say where I thought you were going with this. Okay. <laughs> we don't know nora and owen's parentage right okay (laughs) i see where you're going with this so i was i thought you were going that diaz is actually her their father oh no (laughs) (laughs) oh that would be the worst wouldn't it (laughs) don't say that yet dan no okay 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 that cannot be true. There, the likelihood of that being true is so small because Diaz would know, right? Yeah. Uh, probably a, a person like Diaz would probably know. But uh huh, we get this this little um thing from Master Kumi. I think is who said this or who kind of hinted at this. Mm-hmm when she's talking about people that came up from this other temple, these like young, I think she talks about how attractive they are. Yes. These young girls that were like, oh man, I'm pretty bummed that Master Diaz isn't here. Yeah. And it seemed like it was pretty, it was it was hinting a lot at Diaz hooking up with some, some, some hot young girls at this temple. I think that's... Who I think where, which I think this temple later is referred to as like the biggest brothel. I don't know if those are the same, but I think they are. I don't remember. I think the fire temple is where she was talking about. If that's the same yes. one, that's the. Brothel. I don't know if it's the same. One, okay. But. Okay. So, 
maybe a little bit earlier in Diaz's life, he was this kind of person. I, I think it's possible, Dan. I, I think it's possible. Okay, I think you're right. But I feel like he'd be able to do the math. And when I say do the math, I mean, okay, let's see. About 18 to 20 years ago, I was, you know, a bit of a horn dog. And may have impregnated many people and now i'm hanging out with this i have this super strong astral link to these twins okay but this is you're assuming that his his period of hooking up with a lot of people was short enough that he could point to a certain a couple years i see i see you're saying it was a very recent change yes because he's definitely or just not like it had been he's like 80 years old maybe he was a horn dog for 20 years i don't think you can do the math for that you know I, what i mean okay i think you're i think that's fair that's fair the other thing is we got this little we got this little hint that we talked about last episode that you brought up where shade which by the way we called him shades last episode uh, oh shade. we did need to address this yeah okay we'll, we will later but where he you brought up this thing about stories these days being or not these days but some some stories having a lot of incest i i think there's a chance that was foreshadowing dan oh no okay now that you're talking about this i'm reminded of many other instances where we could we could have this situation going on. For example, at one point, Nora wonders what a half-white's children would be. Like, would they be, would they look like whites or would they have normal eyes? And she wonders if all half-whites have normal eyes or they all have white eyes. I keep saying white. I'm not talking about the color, as we've right. <laughs> mentioned before. <laughs> and this this could also be foreshadowing that she is she and owen are half whites mm-hmm. or quarter whites but they just don't show any of the stuff right and she's naturally good at fighting luke oh no <laughs> <laughs> here's my here's my other theory that's similar okay and it's based off of that that idea of the conversation with shade being foreshadowing mm-hmm and that's that so we so okay so we know we we don't know Nora and Owen's parentage we get we get this scene with shade like kind of saying do you ever you know fool around we also get this with this little this little part later where they're talking about shade being prince bashan's son and they're like wow he must have been really young when he had them and they're like i don't think they have any older he has any older siblings you know I think it's possible that they're actually Prince Bashan's children. And this thing, this this thing with and then Nora's gonna hook up with Shade. And this thing about Shade asking her if she hooks up with Owen, it's gonna be a little foreshadowing between brother, sister hook up with those two. You think there's gonna be a little would they so oh no. I think we're headed for some kind of incest, Dan. You think we're on the incest train right now and we just don't know the destination? <laughs> oh, maybe. It is a pretty, uh, this like phrase is wrong and it makes me cringe a little bit inside, but it's a pretty sexy book. When I say that, I mean like there's a lot more like we get a lot more of the characters sexual impulses in this book than in other books i think so we get a lot of nora's like desires in this book that i Mm -hmm. that i've read in like other a lot of yeah i think it's i think it's i think sexy might actually be a good description but it's a little more subtle than what i would think of as a sexy book Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely instead of instead of things like someone being half naked or something we get like heat rising off ds right right a little a little more a little more second or a little more subtle Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah oh man like you may have you may have convinced me okay okay but wait 
but wait. These don't have to be exclusive, mutually exclusive theories. Okay. Because we can still say that Diaz... Actually, this could further benefit the theory. Right. That Diaz is going to use Nora or Owen or both of them to sacrifice Ooh. for the living blade. And it's even more impactful because not only are they his children, they have white blood, which sounded like it was important to the thing. You know, having like human blood, white blood and God blood mixed in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's super strongly bonded to them. That's a powerful sword. That'll get you a powerful sword. Yeah, it definitely will. I think I, the, one, the one thing that I want to add to this is just is mo- much more circumstantial evidence. And that's just that Nora is the main character. And that often in books leads to this main the main character being surprised, especially an orphan. Mm-hmm. having like surprising parentage mm-hmm. so i think we want i think we want to look out for it dan oh man okay all right we'll look out for it let's look out we're gonna <laughs> keep an eye on both these theories because okay. i have i have a feeling like we're not gonna find the living blade in this book mm-hmm. because there's two more in this series yes at there's least. at least two more out right now i i can't remember if it's supposed to be more but Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll we'll have to keep an eye on these on these things, but <laughs> but I do want to talk about Nora's parents just briefly because we get a okay. little bit of insight into Nora's parents, and that's in her name. And Nora is telling this story about one of the old empires. Either Nora or Master Kumi are telling a story of the old empire. And how the queen, who Nora is named after, is famous because her kids were taken to the tallest tower in Morstead, I think is the name of the town, in Morstead, and dropped off by an emperor. Right. And so they named Nora after this super tragic event that's not a great name is it that would be like a little ominous it would be like if i name my kid titanic right (laughs) uh yeah so i mean maybe this person that they maybe they didn't name her after this queen for that reason you know maybe this queen also like cured cancer (laughs) <laughs> all right but everyone just everyone's like yeah she's the one that had her babies dropped off and she's like no i cured i cured cancer too you guys it's not well she was define me she would probably be pretty bummed out about that when everyone's always walking around being like hey you're the queen whose kids got thrown off that tower <laughs> like right. wow now i'm gonna go be sad for the next two months bye <laughs> but i think i think what you're saying is is important that she was named after this queen and I, I'm assuming that it's, that's the thing that they, this queen is known for. Yeah. I don't quite know exactly what it means for Nora or her parents yet. I think it's just a grim uh, way to name a kid. Yeah, definitely true. At least, the, at least she wasn't named after the kids that got. <laughs> that's fair. Or the emperor <laughs> that did the dropping also right. wouldn't be a great move. Right. <laughs> But yeah, we'll, we'll, I don't know, we'll see. Just keeping an eye on it. We got to. So let's go, let's, I'm going to go to something much more salt or much smaller in consequence. Okay. And that's this thing that the, the, I guess they're called, no, pilgrims, that the pilgrims do. It's part of their job. And that's that they can travel around and they're legally allowed to settle disputes and that kind of thing. So one thing is that that sounds like a fantastic job, but the thing that makes it an even better job is that it's called, and the phrase that people use to describe this action is laying down the law. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Did you know that this used to be a real thing that happened in the world? I, I believe it. I think this happened in the United States in the colonial period. 
either that or when we were exp- when the U.S. was expanding out west, there were traveling judges who would go around to different towns and lay down the law and then leave. These towns would like lock people up, waiting for the judge to come by, and the judge would stop by, make a a ruling, and then head out. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think. Yes, I think I've heard. I think I've also heard this in a lot of other books and that kind of thing. So this, I think this is a pretty common thing. I mean, it's very cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. Imagine your job is to just travel around, get some sightseeing in, stop by the nearest city, and be like, "All right, guys, let me down, let me lay, let me lay down the law on you." And they just come to you with your problems, and you're like, "That guy looks. I like this guy more." So. <laughs> That guy's got a funny look to him. Lock him up. <laughs> what? He's not even the one you're trying. I don't care. <laughs> this trial has a twist to it, and he's the murderer. Yeah. I knew it was him the whole time. Yeah. So, I don't know. That sounds that sounds like a reason to become a pilgrim to me. <laughs> uh, I don't... Actually, hold on, Luke. This this sounds like a, a potential abuse of power. Uh, to be honest, I feel like that should be a question they ask all pilgrims. And if that's the reason, they should say, okay, no, you can't do it. <laughs> like, like, why do you want to be a pilgrim if the reason is so that you can lay down the law you're not allowed in? Yeah. I think that's fair. Because if the only reason you want to be a pilgrim is to go around and literally judge people you've never met. Okay, see, my thing is more of the traveling part. Oh, Okay. And I'm not saying that I would necessarily be corrupt or anything. Well, nobody who's corrupt would. <laughs> right, right. I'm not saying that I would make my decisions based off of, like, corruption. Uh-huh. Or, but I want to—that it'd be cool to travel, you know? <laughs> yeah. Get paid to travel around. And then I've, I don't—I just—I don't know. It sounds nice. Do you think— And I think it's very likely— for it to be a corrupted process. Because you could just you could just be like, hey, I'll give you fifty bucks to make this decision. It's like, yeah, sure. Like, easy deal. Care. Slap me that fifty. I don't, even, I don't even live here, so fine. <laughs> I'm leaving tomorrow. <laughs> do you think do you think the people of the towns love it or hate it when the pilgrims come around to dispense justice? Cause because I could see it two ways. I could see one, the people in the town having disputes and not having a good way of solving them so they they really love it when the pilgrim comes because she can solve their problems for them yeah the other way i see it is the towns are doing fine they're able to solve their own problems disputes are handled by like a council of elders in the town and when the pilgrim comes everybody just like shakes their head and says god damn it we have to let her give these rulings on our shit We've right, got she this. She doesn't even know. She has no idea what's going on. And she has legal authority to say Jimmy gets locked up for two years for nothing. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's a great system. Mm-hmm. So I want to say if these villages had their way, they would choose to not have pilgrims come through and be able to do this. Uh-huh. But... I think since the system is as it is, they're probably like hyped when the person comes through. Because here's the other thing. These trials that could be could be like performed with a different system pretty quickly. All of a sudden now you're waiting on a judgment for the next time the pilgrim comes through. It's like we got to decide whether Jimmy goes to jail. Let's just wait 6 months for the next the next pilgrim to come through. Meanwhile, he can just, he can hang out and keep murdering people. Well, but then it sounds like I would be pissed about the system. No, yeah, okay, so you're pissed about the system, but you're like, you're you're amped up for the pilgrim to come through. Got it, got it. Like, finally, we can lock this guy up. He's killed four yeah. people today. <laughs> this is a great point. <laughs> we couldn't do anything. He's just running around with an axe. Yeah, I'd like to know the line on where when you have to wait for a pilgrim and when you can just decide something. 
hopefully it's it's things like Jimmy's got an axe. <laughs> oh no, Jimmy's got an axe again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's briefly talk about well I don't, let's let's talk about Shade a little bit. Mhm. Mhm. And that's first to say his name is Shade and not Shades, which does not negate our point from last episode. Absolutely not. Still a cool name. Yes. We we also switched at one point in the episode. We started calling him Shade. We were right. And then we went to Shades because I think it feels just a little cooler. In our modern context, Shades right. feels just a little bit cooler. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense in no, Touch of Iron for him to be called Shades. <laughs> but, but another point that we had kind of been making is that Shades is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I just want to... I just. I'm just proud of us for being great judges of character. Yeah, Shade is extremely cool. But, Luke, there's a darkness in him. (laughs) He's a bad boy. No, Luke, there's a darkness in him. Okay. Okay. Because you're acting like Nora right now, and I think you're being absurd. Because Kala, I think is her name. Kala has magic powers to feel what other people are feeling and know their thoughts. Kala says to Nora, there's darkness in him. And Nora says, oh, he's just a bad boy. (laughs) He's just a bad boy who knows it. (laughs) Dude, Kala knows. Thank you. Thank you for doing a little dance for that. Yeah, I mean, you have to. Nora, you know Kala can feel other people's feelings. Yeah, but okay, I don't know how her pron- how her name is pronounced. I think I like. I think I've been calling her Kaya. Okay, that feels right. That feels because the double to L, me. the double L, like a yeah. Spanish yeah. And Kala is just like kind of. Eh. Okay, Kaya. Kind of. Yeah, let's go, Kaya. Okay, Kaya. She says that there's a darkness within him. But I don't, I think she kind of, she's, she says something along the lines of that that's not necessarily the right word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that it's almost, I feel like I got the sense that she was saying that she couldn't quite read him like she can other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that she couldn't figure out how he was doing it. Mm-hmm. And that I think Diaz is the same way. Yeah. And she said it's similar with like nobility. The nobility had training to do things. To be able to conceal that. Right. I mean, what's he got to hide, Luke? I don't know. He's got a darkness. I'm into it. I'm into the bad boy vibe. (laughs) (laughs) So we all know Luke. We all know how Luke likes him. I'm I'm into the bad boy vibe. I'm into Diaz having some dope tattoos and being kind of a bad boy. You know what I'm... You know what I'm like... Kind of not super into, though. And we're going to back to the Diaz and Nora thing. Okay. That's a 70-year age gap. (laughs) Okay, fair. That's just... I'm just going to say that. That's a 70-year age gap on that relationship. (laughs) We're just going to leave that there. Yeah. I don't know. But he does have some pretty sweet tattoos, though. Some pretty dope tattoos. I'm very into it. Yeah. He's always hot. He wears a white shirt at one point when it's raining, oh. which is which is purposeful. Oh yeah, he did that on purpose. Yeah, you don't wear. You, yeah. you plan for the weather. Yeah, I mean, you check your weather app. You're like, I know I'm going to be outside, doing doing sexy sword play with Nora. And by check your weather app, you mean you meditate in that really weird way where you can see the bonds between all living things. <laughs> Which is the same thing. Just, it's just exactly the same thing. Okay. Going off about this training that Diaz does with Nora, I love a training montage. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what about a training montage gets me, but I love to see it. When Nora, when Diaz agrees to train Nora, I was so hype because I just love. A training montage. Okay. It's so good. Like, and this is the same in Lies of Locke Lamora when 
Locke's friend. Oh, I don't remember the big guy's name. Gene. Gene. When Gene gets trained by that awesome sword fighter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I eat that shit for breakfast. Okay. I think I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I think I'm kind of the same way. But let me ask you, do you, I feel like I only like the training montage in books. Yes, I agree. And I, I think it's probably because in books, I can almost envision it as better than in like, cause like in TV, you're limited by what you see. And I don't really imagine a whole lot of other stuff outside of right. a TV or movie training montage, but in a book, I'm imagining so much more training that they're doing that's just not written about because like days will well, pass and I'm thinking. Yeah, what, what, what I love to hear about in training is these, I don't necessarily need details on the training, but I need, I need a aftermath scene where Nora's like just like so sore because she's been training so hard. Yes, yes. And a length of time. That's the key to a good training. An aftermath and a length of time. So you can be like, oh, they've been training for two weeks. She's going to be so dope at fighting. (laughs) And then she gets in a fight and you're like, yes. (laughs) She rolled. She rolled so good. Okay. I love the idea of rolling being a big part of the training. And this is, I'm going to bring us back to the intro. Mm. This is the the main fighting technique in Dark Souls. (laughs) You You think Diaz has played a little Dark Souls? Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's like, well, that's how you do it in Dark Souls. So you gotta your hitbox. Your hitbox disappears when you roll. So, <laughs> duh. Everybody knows that you should be rolling constantly. <laughs> I'm on board with you on this. There's not much better than a than a training montage. I just love it. I love when my characters are getting better when they're developing a new skill when they're kind of leveling up. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, she, since we're, since we're on the training thing, mm-hmm. there's, there's a while before Diaz accepts her, or Diaz decides to train her, and what does it is she, she like duels him, right? But to challenge him to this duel, she slaps him in the face, which is what you do. Uh-huh. But <laughs> I think normally... When you challenge someone to the to a duel by slapping in the in the face, it's a light slap. Yeah, she slaps Diaz. It says as hard as she can, and I can tell that she actually. It's not like she slapped him as hard as they can, and then it's just whatever she slapped him. Yeah, because it talks about how hard her hand hurts because she slapped him so hard. How loud it was. How there's, you can see her hand imprint on his face. Nora, that's so rude. (laughs) I mean, but he also, she's learned is training this other, which, I mean, super hot bad boy. Right. But who has no right to be getting the Diaz treatment when Nora slept in a dirty bear rug with him for like three months. Okay, fair. And she wants it so bad. The training, I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, no, I'm not going to train you. And then he goes I and just... trains this, like, very cool guy, but kind of a shithead. Right. And he's kind of, he's pretty smug about it. Too. Yeah. Like, Shades is, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Shade. Is like it's rubbing hard to it in say her face. Shade without an S. I know it. it's oh, but shade is rubbing it in Nora's face. Mm-hmm. Come on, <laughs> I think I think I Diaz just... deserved that slap. I was satisfied by that slap. Okay, sure. You you're convincing me a little bit. My one caveat is it's a pretty cheap shot. It's a very yeah okay yeah it definitely is yeah. And she just slaps him so hard. Like, if I'm slapping someone as hard as I can, I, it's pretty hard. I've never... I I don't think ever in my life I have physically come at somebody to do violence as hard as I can in any way. I don't think I've ever slapped somebody as hard as I can, 
kicked somebody as hard as I can. I feel like that would do some serious... Okay, I'm not trying to brag, but I feel like that would do some serious damage. <laughs> Here's the other thing that we need to talk about is that Diaz is a master fighter. Mm-hmm. So he probably could have stopped this. He probably could have blocked this slap. Oh. But my guess is that he kind of knew what was coming. He knew she was going to do a little slap move, but he didn't know how hard. <laughs> yes. Okay, so this mid- I like. So she, he, he knows that she's coming in for this slap. He's like, all right, I'm just going to have to take it. <laughs> and she, and, she, and halfway through, he's like, oh, she's really going for it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that a wind up? Hold on. <laughs> how far are you reaching back? Nora, oh, all the way? You're reaching back all the way for this one. All right. Yeah, I would love to hear his little monologue for this. His inner monologue. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I actually think, what if what if he is doing all this intentionally? Maybe he knows Shade is going to tell Nora about it. And so he intentionally takes Shade on because he needs an excuse to train Nora that will be acceptable for everyone else. What about that? I think this is true. Because Diaz feels pretty on top of stuff. And he knows Shade is going to brag about this. Right. And there's a couple a couple times when Diaz is very... He's very wary of being seen as about about it with Nora. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like he talks about how, you know, them being seen together in certain circumstances will be talked about and all that so if he if he just takes her on and trains her it'll be like what are you what are you up to diaz yeah come on buddy i think this is on point where he he needs to push her to get him to train her mm-hmm. it can't be like he it can't look like he's eager to do it it has to look right. like she basically forced him to do it right it's it's either that or diaz is a little bit misogynistic because we get that scene with him and Master Kumi. And Master Kumi says, what, it's because she's a girl? And Diaz is like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, and that's, okay, this is going to circle us back because I, I forgot to bring it up at the beginning when we were talking about Master Kumi. Mm-hmm. This is part of her motive, I think. Not necessarily that Diaz specifically is misogynistic, but she does have that part where she's frustrated that he's just going to take over Mm-hmm. because he's a man and he's older and she's like this doesn't make any sense i should be in charge right yeah but i don't know if that necessarily means diaz himself is misogynistic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um or just this system in general is and it's forcing diaz to be that way maybe it's forcing diaz to say no i'm not going to train her because she's a woman you mean like the pilgrim right, system? Because, because as as I said, he he is very concerned about being seen as mm. into this girl. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, okay. Okay. And I mean there is a the point is there is a 70 year age gap, so <laughs> Yeah. For some reason that's not the issue. <laughs> point is she's or he's playing he's he's playing her like a fiddle here uh-huh i mean and, and is getting her to make him train her basically i mean i think this this is kind of support this, for my theory that i brought up at the at the beginning i think it is i think i think diaz is a schemer he's a schemer you can't see his eyes don't reveal anything he's got stuff going on back there mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. a schemer yeah he definitely is okay really quick let me jump to another really small thing. This book that Nora gives Owen, absolutely phenomenal. Just a red leather, mm-hmm. a little gold embossed lettering. And then Owen opens it up and takes a little sniff of the new new book slash leather smell. Oh, oh man. Well, I mean, it. you know it smells like rotting bear, right? <laughs> this does not smell like new book anymore this smells like raw bear pelt i'm gonna say i'm gonna say nora knew that she needed to keep this leather slash new book smell 
And so she made sure that it wasn't anywhere near this bear pelt. Okay. Okay. Because she's like, Owen's going to want to smell this. <laughs> Which is fair. Yeah, I would want to smell it. Yeah. When she gave him this book, I immediately thought, yeah, that's, I would love that gift. That would be a fantastic gift. So, Mom, mm-hmm. Dad, if you're listening, which I know you are, give me this gift. Give me a, Sounds great. a beautiful book that I can just smell, that I can huff, and just get all that red book leather. Set. I think it was. I'm picturing more of a more of a more of a maroon red leather, mm-hmm. like a darker, you know, like dark, not quite blood color. red. Yeah, but like wine, right, 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 like wine red. That's nice. Ooh, that's so nice. Okay, on a completely unrelated note. How do you how do you restart blood magic and blood rituals? And what I mean by that, it sounds like in this world, a lot of like rituals that involved killing and sacrificing people have kind of died out, but they're coming back. How do you restart one of those rituals? How do you say, hey, everybody, the gods will look favorably upon us if we murder a bunch of people and put them in a pit on spikes. Okay. I think the answer to this is something that you said earlier. Oh, okay. And that's that you think that Master Kumi Mm -hmm. is getting some of her powers from this. Oh, so Master Kumi is directing them to do this. Or someone that practices blood magic. So my thoughts are Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. someone is actually showing that this is helping them do magic. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that the people that are doing these sacrifices can actually point to, like, yeah, this is for her magic, rather than, yeah. like, yeah, maybe the gods will be cool again. <laughs> maybe if we kill all these people, the gods will, like, give our crops a lot of water or something. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's fair. That answered. <laughs> okay, let's just... I have a couple small notes on this battle at the end. Ooh, yes, me too. The first one is that I don't want to necessarily talk a ton about, but just bold for these like soldier guys to just start to break off from the battle and just start raping people. Yeah. I want to say you I want to I'm going to get in trouble. I don't know how to I don't know how to phrase this elegantly. What you're thinking is there's, I don't wanna... there's no discipline in this army, is what you're saying. Okay, yeah. I don't want to be seen as giving advice to these people, but you finish the battle first. Well, this is the same problem that we had in the first book. How there's a battle going on and they're looting corpses. Mm-hmm. There's a mm-hmm. battle going on. Finish the yeah. battle. Everyone finish the battle you're in, and then don't rape. And then don't rape. Is my is my first thing. Yes. <laughs> that, we should say that at the yeah, at the very beginning. But if you're going to let's say steal stuff, let's just say you're going to you know, steal stuff. Right. If you're going to do anything not related to the current battle that is happening, do it after. Yeah. But don't okay, but don't rape. <laughs> but if you're going to steal stuff, do that after, please. Good job. That was a, I think that was a nice job of us for yeah, kind of you know <laughs> Luke, navigating that. Look, I think it was morning. important that you that you started off by saying, "I don't want to advocate how to do this. I don't, you don't want to provide an <laughs> instruction manual for this kind of thing, Luke." Right. I also want to talk about this battle for the timing that these soldiers used, and they waited until essentially it seems like this land's version of a Western Christmas. Mm-hmm. Or a New Year's celebration. Uh, And at first, I was like, this is kind of a dick move, guys. Right. But Revolutionary War, one of the most famous battles, George Washington took a bunch of troops across the Delaware at Christmas. Right. So, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, this might be a hot take, still a dick move. (laughs) pretty good strategy though okay i was trying to decide and okay this uh, this is i'm going to circle us back again to the beginning of this because this 
brings us back to what the motive for this is. Like, are they trying mm. to take over the temple? I kind of think that Master Kumi mm-hmm. is almost doing this as a like suicide, go out, go out with a bang kind of thing. Mm. Okay. Just because I don't really know what she wants. Mm-hmm. And it seems like with her little, her little speech, I don't know if it's a speech, but she makes it seem like she's just frustrated with the way that this, that this is going to go mm-hmm. and that she's going to, you know, someone else is going to be the head of the temple and, um, she's i think says something along the lines of master diaz thinking that she's has this redemption arc and she's like no that's just not me so i don't i don't think she has i think that this is kind of a go out with a bank thing hmm so what a if their way goal to go. is to just take <laughs> if but if their goal is to just take this temple mm-hmm. i feel like the move is to do it on a regular night when everyone's asleep. Mm. But if your goal is to create mass chaos, mm-hmm. I think this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. That's assuming, that's assuming a lot about the fighting force that she's pulling in. Because right. these soldiers aren't even disciplined enough to not rape while a battle's going on. You think they're going to stay quiet while they're coming in two people at a time? until enough of them are in the town that they could just take it. I don't think that they have the discipline required for this kind of stealth mission. Okay, that's fair. Because also at this, everybody's wasted at this festival. So most of your fighting force is hammered right now. But if everyone's just asleep, if you raise the alarm, a bunch of people are going to be getting up and picking up spears and stuff okay okay fair but and yeah if if the alarm gets raised after like the fourth person comes in and starts raping everyone (laughs) you've blown it you're not going to be able to take the town i think kumi just knew what she was working with and she knew that this would be your best opportunity fair fair What, what what do you think what do you think of the goal for kumi do you think she's trying to take over the temple Because I don't think so. Because what do you do then? Yeah, I don't know. Here's... So I I really do think she was trying to stop the... mm, Okay, well, she said that the the prophecy was going to be fulfilled. They were going to find the living blade. And and then I think she said that the gods are going to come back. Because they find the living blade. And it sounds like she wants that to happen. Yes. Because she sees people as being like struggling, like not able to solve their problems and the gods need to come in and help us. And so I don't, I don't know how this was helping accomplish that. So my only explanation is that she was trying to take it over. As in take over the temple to be okay. So that, Diaz wouldn't be the one in charge of the temple. So she could kind of shape this shape this living blade thing the way that she wanted to or just or do you or you think it's smaller than that? I think it's smaller. I think it's smaller. She also mentioned that her redemption arc isn't what Diaz thinks it is. I think she's just kind of like not a great person. Like I think she okay. just wants this power for herself. Sure, sure. I mean, she also refers to it as her evil plan when she's like, I'm not going to tell you what my evil plan is. Right. So that to me says, okay, she doesn't consider herself good. Right. So I, I saw the thing she said at the end about the gods coming back is more, this is what the prophecy said. It's going to happen well, no matter what I do. But I just want to be in control of this temple. That's what I took that okay. as. It was it was hard to tell though, because it was I couldn't tell if she was saying what her plan was or if she was which would have been strange that she was like oh this is the part where i tell you what my evil plan is not and then goes on to tell us her evil plan or if it was i'm not going to tell you my evil plan and then she just says some things about what she's pissed about Mm -hmm. yeah so okay okay um last thing real quick 
that I have. Nora's so bad at planning. This this battle scene was so. And we get we're kind of on the same page with Diaz, where he's just like, Nora, just fucking do what I tell you to do. But what we do, everything she does is so dumb. the The plan to get into the gate, where she just runs in, <laughs> runs in with all the people attacking the gate, is like, let us through. We'll just get Diaz up. and Diaz and whatever his name is. Like, what are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> we can't just let you in. Everybody's gonna come in if we open the shield wall. <laughs> and Nora's like, "I'm being squished. Help!" Yeah, this is. Yeah, that... this just goes back to what we said last episode. Just not a great planner. Well, and the thing with the rooftops didn't turn out well. And then she tried it again, and it almost really didn't turn out well. Yep, yep. But what I will say is that Owen showed his usefulness here, because we really saw how Owen could contribute to this this partnership, where. They're stuck. They got sandwiched because Nora got them in between the two fighting forces. And then Owen says to Diaz, hey, do this and we can get out of here. And Diaz is like, yes, yeah. that'll work. And same thing when they're at the gate or when they're at the near the mill. Owen also <laughs> comes in clutch with a, hey, let's do this and we'll get out of here. And Diaz is like, yes, Owen, that's the plan. <laughs> so Owen's coming in clutch for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Nora is the terrible planner. Just awful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think we've brought some hot takes tonight. I think so too. And I think we've done a good job of being dumb nerds. <laughs> <laughs>